Welcome to the family with Alex Brampernard Rasmussen, pickleball expert Catherine Brandt, Kevin Pittman, and Danny Brampernard. You're a pickleball oh boy, yeah. expert. Tell us no. more. I've played twice. More. I have played twice now. Did you win? God, no. What? Ha- what? Uh, so I talked to my mother-in-law uh-huh. because they play pickleball every Monday. Okay. And she was like, your mom should really do it. She would like it. I'm like, she's expressed interest in it. I, and I, I think it would be good for her. And she, but she can't find any beginner league stuff. And she's like, well, well you she can find them, but they, they fill up 400 years in advance. Yeah, right. I can't get in. It's Pickleball What's, is like some sort of mental crazy big thing. It's, it's wild. And Pickleball, that's like the plastic racket with like the wiffle ball type. Yeah. Ball, mm-hmm. like it's, it's like a mini class. tennis. It's a wooden racket, I think, or okay. carbon something. Yeah, it can be oh, okay. carbon. Yeah, mm. it's like a. It kind of looks like you a no idea how big, big this is. ping pong paddle. Oh, okay. Bit. Yeah, it's kind of a cross between tennis, ping pong, badminton, and something else. Okay. All the and fun it's not, parts. And it's not like racquetball where you're like hitting it against the wall. It's like no, no, more it's, like, okay. it's a volley situation. Yep. No, there are professional <laughs> leagues all over the. All over the place. It's going to end up in the Olympics. Really? Absolutely. It is totally going to happen. There's yeah. Yeah, it's Mega Pickle in Chanhassen. Mega Pickle. Apparently is an indoor like a weird strip a club. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the newest Chippendale strip club. Yeah, Mega Pickle. Mega Pickle. Is that a gay bar in Chanhassen? You're yep. going it with Mega Pickle. I it am looking be. for endorsements. <laughs> okay. You want to be endorsed I by will, Mega Pickle? I will emblazon a name Mega on my pickle. hat whenever I play pickleball. Huge pickle. Okay, so when did you play? You played again yesterday? No, I played no? on Monday. She texted oh, me. So you're just when saying, I saw okay. her at Sage's and Fawny's plaything. I, She said, well, so have you been playing? And I'm like, no, I can't find a group um, because... The ones that I can find are during this show and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, she she texted me and she asked me if I wanted to play with them on Monday. So I went over there. I told your I told Sage. I said, guess what I did yesterday? He said, what? I said, I played pickleball with your grandma Rasmussen, your uncle Paul, your uncle Norm, Laura, and Teresa. He looks at me. His eyes get really white. He says, Diane Rasmussen? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Diane Diane Rasmussen. (laughs) That's his grandmother. (laughs) Diane Rasmussen? God. Worlds colliding. What other Grandma Rasmussen would I be talking about? I don't know. He's such a weird little kid sometimes. He is. You should have seen him playing Farkle. It was hilarious. Oh, God. Yes, he Farkle. (laughs) Lunatics. And then Fawny got all pissed off because she Farkled. Many, many times. She was getting thousands of points, literally. She was just kicking ass, and then all of a sudden she went through a bad streak. And she got really mad and just quit. And she just quit. (laughs) She didn't know when to stop. She's not happy about Farkle, I'll tell you that. She's definitely a sore loser. Yeah, she's She's a sore loser. I don't know where she gets that from at all. Oh, yeah, I'm a sore loser. You don't even play because you're such a... The problem is... As, okay, I'll explain it to new listeners. Okay, mm. this is going to be interesting. Be I never lie. lose at anything, so mm. Catherine has oh. to just attack me. Oh, I have because I just vivid, never lose. I have vivid, you know, it's not vivid, your fault. <laughs> I have vivid memories of trying to play games with you as a child, and you turned into an absolute lunatic and yeah. what are you would talking storm about? Okay. off. You would, you, I remember, I don't remember what game we were playing, but we were playing some card game sometime and I was probably eight, nine years old. Probably you old accused maid. me of cheating and left. <laughs> Which you did. 
so obviously you're very competitive then, I'm guessing. Maybe. Right? Yeah, with his and own children you, even. And if you no. guys aren't very competitive, no. that is no. a weird dynamic. Because no. if I'm playing a game, like I'm here to beat everybody. I want to win. I want, oh, like, this really? is, yes. And oh, I don't, like, so if, okay. when I play games with my family and they're not super competitive, I'm like, okay, this is, I have to, like, mentally be like, I have to tone this down. Otherwise, I'm yes. going to ruin everything. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Well, see, you can, you have that skill. Yeah, to be able to turn I wonder it if it's a Dan's the same way. Skill. Dan's a very competitive person, but mm-hmm. he knows in the environment, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah. Although sometimes I'm like, we're playing match the letter go fish, <laughs> and you don't need to go <laughs> so wild with the fact that you got so many matches against our four-year-old son. So this is an anti-male thing, is what this is. That's what it feels exactly. like. Exactly. That's okay. what we it's said. what it feels like, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I don't know. I'm glad, I'm glad that you read between yes. the lines. Mm-hmm. So he did. I figured I out what we extrapolated <laughs> that from the conversation. That's a great I'm not word. competitive at all. Andy, you are not competitive. No. no. When I no. play games, I well, just try to I, make them off, interesting. Well, first is yes. like, it's a dice game. It's going to be, what, it's dumb luck. Yeah, it's all luck, basically. It's 100% dumb luck. Because you're you're just rolling dice. That doesn't mean There's that no I can't be skill. better than you at it. You absolutely. <laughs> yes, it does. Because it doesn't mean anything. My kind of guy right There's there. no skill. My luck is wow. stronger. It's, wow. That's, All yeah. inside of you. Yeah. This is toxic masculinity. I'm calling it. <laughs> right there, baby. I don't. Yeah, Andy and I are two of the least competitive people you could meet. Yeah. Frequently when I'm playing games with other people, like Monopoly or something like that, I'll torpedo my own chances of winning just to make things more fun. <laughs> You're like, let's just oh. see what just happens. Like do, if I do weird this. crap just That's to see what happens. He's like, yeah. I hope I farkle. He'll just keep rolling. <laughs> well, I don't do that. I farkle. Farkles aren't farkle's really terribly interesting. I guess, yeah, that's. Fun about. word to say. They so. were laughing so damn hard oh yesterday. Gosh. They were having yeah. so much fun playing that I game. Know, it was hilarious. Yes. And then all of a sudden, Sage quit too. He was just yeah, like, hot, I'm done. Hot tip if you're playing with. <clears throat> elementary school kids yeah only play to five thousand don't go with the whole ten no no it's God. too long it's too it takes long, too long. Mm. especially if they just continue to roll and roll and roll yeah and roll so and that roll. they don't, don't so, they so they lose all of their all points because yeah. the thing with farkle is you're rolling how many seven die six i think six yeah. oh yeah because you can get three yeah. triples yep. yeah mm-hmm. and you have to either get a five or a one in every roll yep and so you can keep your fives and your ones or whatever, and then if you have two left, you usually stop because the odds of getting a five or a one with right. those two are low. Because if you don't, you lose all of your points. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's farkling. Yep. Yeah, it's like and Yahtzee kind of. Kind it's of yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yes, and so my kids would just keep rolling and roll because they because sometimes you just get lucky and continue to roll and get fives yeah, and ones and pairs odds, and triples yeah. and but yeah. it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. Nope. And and Fani was on a hot streak. So and she got five thousand points in one roll. Yeah. Well, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> well, she just kept rolling and rolling. Yes. I'm like, it, bring this kid to Vegas, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, man. So yes. And but Bob yeah. Pop would not play. Shock. I guess I'm glad if you're going to be absolutely. Mean to the kids. Well, I had kind of a rough patch yesterday that I had to get through, so you know. Had a rough patch yesterday. You know, people were being a massive pain in the ass. Andy's right there. <laughs> yeah, it was Andy, exactly. <laughs> Andy was being a pain in the ass. Classic and, Andy. And therefore, no, I just, it's some people, people right now, do you think you know anybody that always tells the truth? Yes. No. You do? No. Well, not like 
always. Sometimes it's you impossible say, to always. Yeah, no yeah. sometimes you always sometimes you have to wanna, say if you want to spare feelings, you have to do little white yep. lies. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a yes. good point. But my like, policy the, is to lie as little as I possibly yeah. can. Yes, I have. I know people I that tell the truth generally most of the time, unless it's if it's harmful, harmful yeah, or yeah. Like I know people that are always pretty much well intentioned. Well, that's if good. That's it's like if someone like walks up that. to you and says, "What are you getting me for my birthday?" Yeah. You either say, you, you either say none of your business or you'll lie about that's it. That's what I say to my kids when they ask. Yeah, I say exactly. None of your business. <laughs> you don't tell the truth there because the truth is a bad thing there. Yeah, which it kind of ruins the surprise. Right. I will mm-hmm. say my son's birthday list is off the rails. <laughs> I got and a few I things on there. It, it should be <laughs> off the rails. I he, he asked for a watch, a piggy bank. He's really interested in telling time, and he can he can tell time on I a digital clock. I think North American clock. Bank can hook him up on that piggy bank. Then. I can't, it can't be breakable though. Oh, because this kid because he'll break it. He's kind of piggy a, bank. He's kind of a wild Uncle yes, Bilski, you gotta go call Uncle Bilski. They're plastic ones. Um, okay, I have the uh, thinking putty, which is kind of like silly putty. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he wants a huge one, mm, huge a huge one. container of thinking putty, and then. Let me see. Let me see. A cool new water bottle. A cool new one. Not cool. just any nope. water bottle. Cool. A cool Gotta one. Cool. Crocs. Crocs. Uh, all, all the kids are wearing them. Yeah. They, they are. They are. And, and they've got the really, little charms now that, that they stick yeah. in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah they have like Cheetos themed Crocs. Yeah. 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 They're a big, they're a big deal. Mm-hmm. He wants tie dye blue Crocs. There you go. And um, a planter, like an outdoor planter that is shaped like a chicken you could probably <laughs> find that i did yeah, you, you found one i sure did why does he want that he has an impatient that he planted oh. at school and it's grown too large and i was like you need we're gonna have to repot this and he was looking online and he was like i want one shaped like a chicken uh, okay a so that's like a chicken his... is he normally like into chickens nope okay no. just yeah. Just, just for the planter. Yep. It was oh, pot, a golf pot bag. calling the chicken blood. And he wants is a golf bag, too. I thought he had a golf bag. It's way too big. Oh, it is? He oh. needs a junior size one. Oh. Okay. He sounds like during like Christmas, back when they had like the catalogs oh, and we yes. go through yeah. like circle all everything. Yeah. Like, yes. yep, that's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Like, Fawn's all made sense, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, I like Squishmallows and arts and crafts. Right. What's a Squishmallow? Your, those are those big, puffy, oh, pillow stuffed okay. animal okay. things. She's Huge had one man. of those since Fawn was born, I think. Yeah, you gave yeah. her yeah, one from Costco. Costco that was a big long time owl. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) Uh, okay 
Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabanco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We have Fritz on the line. Fritz Coleman, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing, Fritz? Is this where I call for the chicken planter? Yes. <laughs> yes it is. Fritz, is the... I've got your chicken pot right here. Yep. <laughs> See, you used to put a chicken in a pot. Now you put a pot in a chicken. There you That's go. what we're doing. How are you guys? What's that? Good to talk to you. Oh, Fritz, is always good to talk to you. As a matter of fact, NBC weatherman, stand-up comedian, Fritz Coleman, as a new comedy. Oh, my God, a new comedy special. I love comedy specials. Well, I think you'll like this one, depending on how old you are. This is for people of a certain age, as they say. And I call it the old people and their parents. And <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's, uh, we've labeled it a baby boomer support group. So if you're of that age, <laughs> I'm talking to you. You're going to have a great time. You know, I like, though, Fritz, as you call it... Uh, uh, called unassisted living, right? That, that's right. I love unassisted living. I think that's living. what we name. do. <laughs> unassisted living, yes, we do. Believe us. You're in that transition period from collecting Social Security and Medicare to needing assisted living. So I just call it unassisted ah, living. Okay. I still live under my own power. So, Fritz, how, how many years again were you at NBC doing weather? How, how long have you been there? I retired two weeks shy of my 40th anniversary. Oh my God, that's why two weeks short? Why didn't you go the full 40? Well, I was going to even retire earlier than that, except uh, uh, my contractors are just as California went into their lockdown. Oh. So my boss, because we were doing broadcasts from home, asked me just to hang around a month or so longer to sort of transition into that at home thing where you know you're in front of a fake plant in your fireplace and doing the weather every day so uh i, I stuck around a little bit longer but it was just the right time you know yeah i understand i do understand that fritz you ever you know who garth kemp is i garth kemp is a friend of mine i bought a bicycle from him okay the reason i bring him up is i worked with him at kqrs radio in minneapolis and the next time you see him he was a big KLOS guy, and then yeah. he went to the weather at Channel 7 in Los Angeles. Absolutely. But a large human being. <clears throat> and he was at KQRS in Minneapolis with me. He was doing afternoons. I was doing mornings. And my last memory of Garth being there, he got in a fist fight with the chief engineer. Nice. <laughs> wow. I, it was something else, Fritz. So tell him I said hello if you see him. I will. I haven't seen him in a long time. The last I spoke to him... He had a, a girlfriend from France. Oh. Uh, that's called a geographically undesirable relationship, but he somehow pulled it off. They were flying back and forth. Oh, that's quite a flight. Got big shot. Mm -hmm. No question about it. 
So when did you did when did you discover that you're a funny person, Fritz? How old were you? Um, well, I was an only child, so I had in this inordinate desire to attract attention to myself under mm-hmm. any circumstances. <laughs> okay. So, so I, uh, I, you know, I, I had my father had a, just a wonderful dry sense of humor, and my mom was a great audience. So it was like this perfect cocktail for showing off under any circumstances. So I always enjoyed an audience. I, I. I uh, started my broadcasting career working for Armed Forces Radio and Television, and then I was in radio for 15 years. I was a DJ and a production director and a music director, and then I came out to California to do comedy in 1980, and I was working at the Comedy Store in Sunset Boulevard, and uh, in the audience that night were the news director and his wife from NBC in Los Angeles. And I told a story on stage about having... um, having been forced to do the weather when I was in the Navy, but I didn't know anything about it, but the Navy didn't seem to care. Uh, they just, you know, fill the two and a half minutes and don't use profanity. So I, I, I told a story about that on stage, and after the show was over, this news director came up and introduced himself, and he said, this is an odd question, but I have need of a vacation relief weather forecaster at Channel 4. Ooh. I need some help on weekends. And I, he said, would you have any desire in auditioning to do that? And I was making $35 a night at the comedy store. Oh, God. To start. And can I please carry your wife to the car? I'll do anything. <laughs> so he, he, uh, and so I auditioned and got the job. I did fill in for two years. And then I was bumped up to the main guy, and I retired two weeks shy of my 40th anniversary. Honest to God, I'm, it's the greatest stroke of show business luck that woman was discovered at Schwab's Pharmacy on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, God, yeah. There's a great reference. I love that reference, Maverick. So where did you grow up, Fritz? <laughs> I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. God, I love We were just talking about Philadelphia this morning, as a matter of fact. I love Philadelphia. had a wonderful couple of visits there, no doubt about it. <clears throat> if you're interested in history, it's the coolest place in America. I, 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 you know, as a kid, you get wanderlust, and I couldn't wait to move out of there. But now that I'm an adult, have children and grandchildren... I, I realized what a spectacular place it was to be born and raised. Great schools, great, a great environment. It was fun. I can see that. Now, so, so you became, you moved to L.A. to be a comedian. Then you ended up being a weatherman, and they didn't really collide at any point. It sounds like you, could, you pulled both of them off pretty well, didn't you? I did. I, I did uh, the 5, 6, and 11 o'clock news every day. Man. And if there were no fires, if there was no El Nino or something like that, I could go down and do shows between the early and late newscasts. So I would do two or three shows a week at the Improv and the Comedy Store, even when I was doing weather. It was fun. Kept me sane. That is wonderful. How, how, what... Same forecast in California. You do the same forecast every day from <laughs> April to October. Morning clouds and fog, hazy afternoon sun. What was the question? <laughs> so so uh, and uh, so I, I it was it was great. It was a great mental exercise for me. But I could see that it'd be a lot of fun. Remember when we went to Hawaii, Tom? It was, so we're we're in Minnesota. We're based in Minnesota, and our weather is what about half of the news because it's always there's always something always always something going on in minnesota and we went to hawaii and we're watching the news and this woman comes on and she's got a picture of the sun just like a something a kid would make she's got a picture of the sun behind her sunny and 82 
And that was the weather. <laughs> and then the next day, same As thing. Usual. Sunny and 82. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, what? This isn't the weather? This is not helpful at all. It's kind of like California. You know, I always said that my job wasn't really weather. My job was to be the palate cleanser between the tragedy and the sport. Oh, there you go. That's true. So, and you were talking about going or like coming up in the comedy scene at the store or comedy store. Who were some of the comedians that you regularly performed with or kind of were around at that time when you first moved out to L.A.? Well, I, I was, you know, uh, and I was I was just post the David Letterman, Jay Leno, Freddie Prinze, uh, Tom Dreesen sort of era. Oh, sure. Guys that made the comedy store famous. And then I performed with and became friends with Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kennison, um, uh, uh, all those guys that sort of started in that. Uh, uh, one of the youngest people to ever perform at the Comedy Store was Jim Carrey, who came down from Toronto and performed yeah. when he was 16 years old and blew the roof off the place. And so I, I saw a lot of people uh the the guys that the guys that got famous and would come back. Richard Pryor came back to tune up his stuff for that live at the Sunset Strip special that he did. Well, we got to not not necessarily be friends with, but got to watch these guys and be in the same room with them, and it was a very magical time, you know. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's probably true. Now, Fritz, the last time you were on, I can't remember if I told you. Uh, when Catherine, my lovely wife, and I, this is many, many years God. ago, were at the comedy God, store, and she started story. chirping to one of the comedians. He was an asshole. He was. He was a pain in the ass. <laughs> Did I ever tell you a story, Fritz, when, and, and the next comedian out was Jay Leno? Did I ever bring that up to oh, you, there Fritz? there you go. No. I, 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 let me hear this story. I, I love, love it. So Catherine's going after this guy because he's really anti-woman and really being nasty oh, about women I and all that. Oh, I said just a couple of small things. A <clears throat> couple of small things she said, but they let her stay. So Jay Leno walks out on stage. He goes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, good night. How are you doing? How's everything going tonight? Uh, the lady out in the audience, what's your name? She goes, Catherine. Um, he says, Where are you from? He said, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Minnesota. And he goes, oh, a frozen bitch. Turn the audience against me, that asshole. <laughs> Never forgiven him. Do you remember who the first comedian was that he was a young African American guy, but I don't remember his name. Oh, he was so ugh. Don't remember him. He hated women. He was one of the it was kind of that era. Eddie Murphy went mm -hmm. through that I yeah, hate women of, sort of I thing. Suppose. Yeah. How do you handle that, Fritz? That's I will tell you that we're uh, we're we're in a different time now. We're like we're so toxically sensitive about everything that you can't do you have to really be careful about doing anything that way. Yes. Fight the audience. You know, you can't do politics. You can't do, uh, you can, but you risk suffering a horrible death. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just people are really, uh, and I realized how politically correct we've become when Jerry Seinfeld said, I don't like to do college campuses anymore because they're too politically correct. Right. I thought, oh my God, if Jerry Seinfeld yeah. feels like they're too politically correct, then we're in bad territory here. So it's just an odd time. People's sensitivities are really heightened right now. Fritz, how do you deal with that as a comedian? Do you, I mean, do you have a very sharp uh, observance of what they're going to like and what they're not going to like? I mean, do you have to do a lot of research, find out? Because obviously you don't want the, the, the audience to turn on you. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I, my audience is slightly older. Mm -hmm. So I, I stay completely away from politics. 
for a couple of reasons. First of all, because you immediately alienate 50% of your audience to yes. political humor. Yep. Second of all, all <clears throat> guys on television, from The Daily Show to Colbert to Kimmel, are all doing the best daily uh, current events material that can be done, and I'm just repeating stuff they're already doing, so I stay away from it. And third of all, I just uh, I think my comedy serves a different uh, mission these days, and that is we're in such a dark place in this country. There's such yep. a chasm between sides that I just want to take people out of their heads for an hour. I don't want to remind them what's, what's wrong with the world. I just want to talk about my, my stuff is observational. I talk about the things that we have in common. This latest special, Unassisted Living, on Tubi is me just talking about uh, the commonalities of getting to a certain age. You know, you're in Social Security, you're in Medicare. I have grandchildren now. I had to babysit for them during the pandemic because they were doing school on Zoom, and it was a nightmare. My hair would catch on fire every day. <laughs> and all kinds of things. You, you know, common experiences that people have. And uh, I, I think people appreciate the fact that I'm not reminding them of how bad the world is right now. I'm just reminding what we ha- uh, them about what we have in common. So that seems to be where I found my niche. God, Fritz, that's a very, very smart move because i got to be honest with you. I, I have had enough of it with the, oh, you're on the left, you're on the right, you're on this. or I, I think it, it has built, and by the way, it's mostly the fault of politicians and national news anchors on either Fox or CNN. I don't watch either one of them anymore because all they do is lie about this, that, and the other thing just to piss people off. It gets them to tune in and watch even longer because they found the side that agrees with them. And again, whether that's CNN or Fox, they found the side that agrees with them. And the hatred has gotten, my God, Fritz, the hatred in this country is at the highest level. Uh, Cable news with with the 24-hour cycle, with all those stations, have become this huge monster that has to be fed. Yes. And so yep. they have all day talking heads, and if there isn't any breaking news at the moment, they sort of create mock controversy, and it's all heat and no light, and it's nasty. And and, and you've exactly described the reason why I try to avoid that stuff. Yeah. And at the very least, people are relieved, and plus my act is clean. So, uh, because I just found my my particular audience and my fan base doesn't appreciate being assaulted. I'm not a prude or anything, mm-hmm. but they just they you know when, when they if they go to watch a comedy special on Netflix or something, and God bless Dave Chappelle, he's brilliant, Chris Rock, brilliant, but some of them just don't like to be assaulted by the language, and so I tend to stay away from that. That's just me catering to my audience. Yeah, but that's so, fine. Uh, You're being you. No, it's 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 fine for me. Yeah, when I when I came up in comedy. Uh, when I got to L.A., if you wanted to make it on the talk shows, Carson or Merv Griffin or whatever, you had to work clean. Because if you were seen being dirty in a club and the talent coordinators from one of those shows happened to be in the audience, that would blow you out of the getting the show. They wouldn't trust that you could work clean if you came on the show. So right. They mixed you from the, from the list. So uh, we just got into the discipline of working clean. Uh, you know, Leno works clean, uh, uh, Seinfeld works clean. Most of those guys that came up in that era where they relied on the Johnny Carson show to get ahead got into the discipline of working clean, and it served them good over the time. Fritz, I think you and I are pretty close to the same age, so I've got to ask you, and I know it's very clear in my mind, I was thinking I was 14, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe 15, and I've been inspired my whole life 
uh, by listening to Richard Pryor. There is no, when I first heard Richard Pryor at 14, 15 years old, whatever it was, I never, ever forgot what he, he did way back all those years ago. He changed comedy forever. Do you have something like that? You remember that, that was the guy that, yeah. that changed your view of I comedy have, forever? Have the, the person that I had that exact same experience mm-hmm. with George Carlin. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I had always been a fan of comedians, the Ed Sullivan Show and the Johnny Carson Show, and their yeah. little five-minute controlled snippets on TV. But I'd never seen a live stand-up comedy performance. So when I was a junior in high school, somebody gave me tickets. My uncle gave me tickets to see George Carlin at this thing called the Valley Forge Music Fair, which in suburban Philadelphia, they used to have these big summertime tent performance areas. that They were beautiful. They were like Cirque du Soleil tents. They sat 3,000 people, mm-hmm. and they would do shows. So I went to see uh, George Carlin, and I didn't know the science behind stand-up. Your act is something you work on piece by piece, and you sort of, it's modular. You fit it together over a period of time. But this guy came out on stage and for 90 minutes with no notes and seemingly, although I know it's not true, off the top of his head, just convulsed this audience. And I I, I think it was, the only thing I can compare it to was a religious experience. It was like watching an evangelical minister on television, being able to manipulate the audience and bring them up to a plateau and then take them higher and then peak at the end of the act. It was it was mind-blowing, and it changed my life. I never thought I'd be able to do it professionally, but I, I remember being so moved by that. It seemed magic to me. It seemed like this guy was a wizard. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe he could do it. And so that was my experience. But Richard Pryor, again, I was a huge fan of Richard's. And... Uh, and listen, you can see Richard Pryor and every African-American comedian, Eddie Murphy, Chappelle, Rock, it's all grown out of that tree that came yep. from Richard Pryor. Yep, there's no doubt about it. He changed comedy forever. But, I mean, you were, like I said, we're probably about the same age, and I don't know if we could have gotten any luckier because as a little boy watching the comedians like Alan King on the, uh, the Ed Sullivan show, uh, that was probably my first attraction to comedy was watching the Ed Sullivan show because he would have these these comedians come on and they would just oh, yeah. kill on that show. It was wonderful to yeah. watch. Alan King, Jackie Mason, all the old yes. were on there all the time. No, I agree. That, that's what ignited my interest in it, too. Now, do you think, did Jackie Mason really give the audience the finger and said, this is for you and this is for you? Did that really happen? I think he was doing that to Ed Sullivan because Ed Sullivan didn't like a piece of material he was doing. Oh, that's what and it was. Okay. And it aced him out of show business for a long time. It he did. Either on TV or in clubs. But he was brilliant. I mean, even when he was older, he was in his 80s and had that Broadway show because he, not only was he funny with sort of the uh, the ethnic, he was just a great Jewish comedian. He had that... He had that, that cadence in his voice that was so funny. But he was also really an astute observer of politics. Oh, yeah. He knew a lot about Kennedy and all this stuff. He was really smart and really good old, when he was really old. It, crazy. He was in a, a Caddyshack 2, which was not a good movie. Caddyshack 1 was phenomenal. Caddyshack 2, yeah. not phenomenal. And for people who have never seen that movie because nobody went to see it, Jackie Mason walks into this very, very fancy uh, golf clubhouse. It's really fancy. And he looks at the camera and goes, well, now I know how the Nazis felt about where they lived. 
guy. He was hilarious. And, uh, yeah, those old guys are great. Uh, did you ever see the uh, special about um, about Don Rickles called Mr. Warmth? It, it was it was directed by what's his name that directed uh, uh, Ghostbusters and, and some of those other. Well, John Landis. And, and it was, yeah, John Landis. It, it, it was. It was an, an hour special on HBO, and it just it was behind the scenes with Don Rickles, and then they had his performance. Well, I'll never forget this because, you know, when he was backstage getting ready for the show, I said, "How's this guy going to do an hour? He seems sort of decrepit and old, and he had to have his dresser help him get dressed." And, right. and he walked him to the stage and wouldn't let him go down the stairs by himself. And then they play that, you know, that 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 riff they always played the, the Tory Adore song when Don Rickles was right. The minute those lights came up, he was, uh, he was he peeled 40 years off of his life and just went on that stage and killed for an hour. And he didn't look like he had the strength to walk out to the middle of the stage before he went on. But this mystical thing happens to those old guys, and they get out there and they blow the roof off the place. You know, honest to God, Fritz, you just gave me this great memory. Many, many years ago, I was interviewing Don Rickles. He was in studio sitting across the table from me. Just I was having a wonderful, because I was a huge Don I still am a huge Don Rickles fan. Yeah. But I'm sitting across the table from him. I said, Don, i got to tell you the truth story. This is a true story. Many, many years ago, I was watching an episode of Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzara. And you were, co- uh, you were the special guest on that episode. The episode was called Down with Willie Hatch. It was about an insult comic. You know, Don Rickles, pretty good at playing an insult comic. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience turns on him, and, and literally they turn on him to the point where he kind of loses it on stage and starts screaming at the audience and all the rest of it. And he said, oh, yeah, I got I, I, it's great that you remember that. And I said, Don, i got to be honest with you. You should have done a lot more acting like that because you killed it. You he was were a great actor. He was a great actor. Yeah, yeah. And... I agree with you completely. And he looked at me and said, thank you, and he was tearing up. Oh, it was so sweet. He was a very sweet man. I'll tell you, the the testimony to his talent was that nobody ever copied his act. You can't look at other comedians. You can see guys (laughs) in clubs will say, hey, where are you from, and then beat him up for 10 minutes. Right. But he wasn't like that. He insulted everybody, but nobody ever copied that act. Nobody convulsed Carson more than Rickles, and he was so funny. (laughs) But the way he would tie his act up at the end, he'd make fun of everybody. And he tied it up so nicely at the end so nobody was offended. But he was brilliant. He was, uh, again, so fast. And uh, and he he, he started a club in L.A. called the Slate Brothers. And what made him famous was Frank Sinatra used to bring his posse down there on weekends and watch Rickles. And Rickles would just riff on him in the audience, and and Sinatra, you wouldn't think he'd eat it up, but he just loved it, and that's how that 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 started in the show business. Do you think Don Rickles could make it today, or is it just too edgy? That's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I had that discussion about the show All in the Family. Oh sure, yeah. It was such a it was such a wonderful show in pointing out the foibles of society. But I don't know that they'd ever give a green light to a show where they use the N-word periodically. I just don't think they would do it now. 
and we were watching Blazing Saddles the other night. Oh, There's God. no way that that movie ever would have gotten greenlit now. It was one of the funniest movies of all time, but, but right now they would just be so afraid of, of uh, you know, the, all the you know, hysterically inappropriate things that happened in that movie. I just don't think they'd greenlit it. Well, the amazing thing is that was all because of Richard Pryor. I mean, people don't realize that Richard Pryor is the one who threw those great lines in there. And he just, oh, my God, it was a brilliant movie. It was great. Yeah, he he was supposed to be Cleavon Little's part. Yes. The studio was so afraid of him because he had a reputation as being tough and he was sort of headlong into his drug issue then. And they were afraid to base the whole movie on him. But Cleavon Little was great because he wasn't the funniest guy in the movie. Everybody else was funny, but it was hysterical. It was a brilliant, and you know what I really do like, Honest God Fritz, and I love this, through all this cancel culture stuff, Blazing Saddles made it through, even though they dropped the big N about every other word, it made it through because of... Because... And it was white guys doing it, it wasn't just black guys. Right, oh yeah, absolutely. And and I just don't think they would, they would never allow that to fly now. No. Unfortunately, I, you know, uh, anyway... Weird times. No, definitely weird That'd times. It's cyclical, and there's a big pendulum, and maybe it'll go back the other way. Fritz, when, something outrageous, and you know. When you walk on stage now, do you do you get that feeling? Walking on stage is a different deal. Most people never will experience it, but to walk on stage in front of a bunch of people that showed up to see you—that must be a wonderful feeling for you. Stand up is a really interesting thing, uh, uh, and I think this all my desire to do it. My desire to go into a dark room with a hundred strangers and try to win them over is my friend. <laughs> yeah, like neurosis that you can't really um, you can't really describe. But but it, it it is when you're out there, it's your words and it's your thoughts. And when it works, it is the greatest high, the greatest euphoria you could ever experience. But if it goes south, you will never be lonelier in your life. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's like, it's a very vulnerable spot. It's like naked hang gliding. You know, you're just out there. <laughs> just pray that it goes well. Uh, but, but uh, you know, a, a musician has a song to lean on, and, and uh, you know, it's not about you. It's the song you're singing. But with a, with a comic, it's your personality, and it's your words, and it's your thoughts and your philosophies, and it's a pretty naked judgment of who you are if you're being honest on stage. So when you get when, when the audience responds positively to that, it's a great bit of uh, wish fulfillment. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. No so, question. And when you have obviously the days where it goes extremely well and everything's great, and like you're saying, it's very lonely when it goes bad. Do you have those moments on stage where you're like, you know what, this really isn't working? I have to completely pull a 180 from what I was planning on going, and either go into like old material or do crowd work type of situations? Yeah, you can do crowd work. I, I mean, that, that gets them a little bit. I, I'm not huge on doing crowd work because I, 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 sometimes, you know, it all depends on your subjects out in the audience. It can just be boring as hell and self-indulgent if it's not going well. Uh, but uh, so I just, I stick to the script most of the time like Mr. Seinfeld does. But you will always have a bad audience. It can be anything from the temperature in the room to what's going on before you when you perform. Larry Miller, who is a wonderful comic, uh, sort of the Paul Reiser, Seinfeld era from the New York comics, has a wonderful piece of material about performing at a a police benefit 
where he followed the honor roll where they announced the guys who had lost their lives. Oh, wow. He said Richard Pryor couldn't have dug this audience out of negative black. (laughs) So, I mean, you're always going to have a a bad audience and, and go through that. But it's, it's, it's an addiction, you know. You you have a good one, and you want to keep coming back and repeat that feeling every time. It doesn't happen every time, but it, it keeps you coming back. No question. I, we only have one more minute, and Fritz, I want to bring one thing up to you, one more thing about Don Rickles and how uh, what Fritz Coleman has been saying, that, that, that this would not fly today. There's a special with Don Rickles, and he walks out on stage, and, of course, he's engaging the audience, all the rest of it. And he sees a guy in the front row sitting there with his wife, and his wife has a rather large nose. And, I mean, noticeably large nose. And so he looks at the guy and goes, ah, excuse me, sir, let me ask you a question. The guy goes, yeah, yeah, what do you need? He goes, uh, are you a Jew? <laughs> he says this to the guy. And he goes, are you a Jew? And he goes, uh, yes, sir, I am. And he looks at his wife and he goes, what's your wife, an eagle? No. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Can you imagine saying that to somebody now, Fritz? No, but uh, if, if there's just no, no, I can't. There's just, <laughs> you know, you knew underneath that it, there was real humanity there. Yes. And, you know, there were people that would sit in the front row. They just they 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 were driven to come and be insulted by <laughs> because it was such a it was such a badge of honor. And I I just think uh, no, nobody's ever copied that. And and you're nope. right. I just don't think in our current climate somebody be able to make that type of an act fly. No question. Fritz Coleman, when are you coming to town? you got to come to town, Fritz. I'll come to town and come and visit you guys. I'll bring donuts and coffee, and we'll have a great time. Oh, please do. <laughs> Fritz, thank you so much for your time today. See, I love having these conversations because people don't know these things about comedy, and I think you've educated a lot of people today, Fritz. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate the chance to talk to your vast audience, and you guys are awesome at what you do. Thank you for the chance to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Fritz Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, NBC weatherman, stand-up comedian. Fritz Coleman has a new comedy special. Uh, it's called Unassisted Living, and it's now airing on Tubi, T-U-B-I, of course. You all have it on your streaming channels, no question about it. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. What a nice guy. Very nice man. Yeah, really nice. Uh, and he's absolutely... Can you imagine, I mean, the way I grew up watching comedy as a kid... To growing up watching comedy as a kid today, it's a huge, huge chasm between those two times. Yeah. Well, it's so diluted now just because everybody can make a video, put it on YouTube, yeah. social yeah, media, whatever. True. So, yeah, you have so many more outlets. You see, unfortunately, a lot of not funny comedians. But yep. the top tier ones today, I would say, still are, still are up there as far as all-timers. But back in the day was just a whole different beast. Well, so many. When was it? 20 years ago that it all switched over to social media 
I mean, basically, not yeah, about 20. Not 20, 15, 15. And probably closer to 15. Okay. Because, yeah, all of a sudden, you would hear all, all these people, and they made it on YouTube. Yeah. And it's like, what? Right. And when you see a lot, and I mean, some of the YouTube stars, they would get on stage and do just fine, but it's one thing to sit behind your computer and do take mm-hmm. after yeah. take oh, yeah. after right. take. Oh, yeah. And then now right. when all of a sudden, perfect it's, one. and now when it's live, you're not getting that reaction that you thought, like, oh, wow, I have to um, now scramble and try and be funny. Yeah. Right. I'm telling you. God, I loved Fritz. I thought Fritz was really, really interesting. He was. He's got a podcast as well. Oh, yeah. What's the name of his podcast again? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I took my... my uh, Media Path. Media Path. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, we've had him on before, I know. Oh, March, yeah. yeah. Once, yeah, I remember talking to him, because once he said he was a weatherman. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. I don't know. I, we need more. We need to laugh a lot more than we're laughing right now. There's no question about it. I mean, honest to God, your mom and I were sitting at home last night, and I'm not trying to change the subject here, but just the way the world has changed. There was a little kid out in the street playing with a ball in, I think it was Marin County, uh, Florida. And he's playing with a ball, and he's bouncing a basketball in the street. And apparently the next-door neighbor of the kid thought it was too loud. And instead of telling the kid to stop doing that, and again, he's just dribbling a basketball, Mm -hmm. so how loud could it be if you're indoors, right? She didn't go and tell the kid to stop. She went next door and killed his mother. Okay. What? I have a feeling there's a little more. <laughs> there's there's more to that one. Some layers. Isn't yeah. that unbelievable? But he goes and kills the mother. Yeah, for that to like be the trigger. Like I remember when I was a little kid, we would like, shut down the street and have like whole football games yeah. in oh, the yeah. middle of the road. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, no. Well, it used to be that people were happy for other people to be happy. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the kids are out playing. This yep. is great. Oh, this yeah. is wonderful. Now mm-hmm. it's like, well, how is everything irritating me? Yeah. I'm being mm-hmm. inconvenienced. Yes. I have to figure what out how. What can we do about that? Can we, can we bring society think, back? I don't know. I think that's just kind of how it is now. <sighs> just so sad. I mean, geez, all the anger. Calm down, for God's sake, right? Yeah, yes. no, people need to yeah, take a step back and just, like, does this really affect, like, the kid bouncing a basketball? Like, does this really right. ruin my whole entire day? Like, can we just all calm down? Yeah. Is the reaction appropriate to go mm-hmm. kill his mother? Yeah. <laughs> I is wouldn't this, think so. Does this line up? <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but Sometimes who the hell knows? Sometimes you just have to take a beat. Yeah, just take you a know? minute and think about it. It's an important part of life. Take a pause. That's yeah. what you're saying. A little pause would work. Just a little I suppose you're right. Yeah, I, I just, I really wish that we would all calm down. Just everything's good. Uh, we made it through. They signed it, so we're not gonna. The the, the economy's not gonna collapse yet. Anyway, it might collapse oh, in the future, but yet? not right now. No. Why is it not gonna? Oh, they signed all yep. the. They signed stuff. all that stuff at a federal level. They oh, okay. signed all the stuff. Yeah. Well, it's to, to the, stop the debt ceiling yeah, the and printing more money it. and doing whatever they're gonna do. Fun. Which they are. Yeah. Which they are. What are we? Thirty two trillion in debt. The highest amount of debt we've ever had. Why we allowed that to happen, I will never understand. But Because they're not going to stop spending because mm-hmm. they go unchecked. But they're using, that money to buy, they're using that money to buy other people's votes. That's all. They're not trying to help anybody. They're trying to buy votes. That's all they're doing. And it seems to be working. It is working. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, with being in that much debt, they need to, like, send it to collections and have somebody from collections <laughs> somebody start calling these politicians and exactly. like, harassing them. Like, hey, yeah. you're going to get these harassing phone calls until you start fixing some stuff. Well, you see these people now, they retire from politics, and they're billionaires. Mm-hmm. How the hell did you get to be a billionaire? And it was definitely not inside no. trading. No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, no. Not. 
Not even. It was anything but that. (laughs) Well, because even like city council members still make like damn near a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like you once you get in it, yeah. There's just so much money. Like that's why people get into it. Is everything driven by money now? A hundred percent. I think it is. Yes, absolutely. It's pretty hard to argue. Harder and harder to get money. Yeah. Well, because even like the I saw somebody post a video. They were saying like Black Lives Matter raised all this money. And like, didn't give any of it back to oh. like George Floyd's family, for yeah, example. Like, no, just bought like a bunch that. of mansions. Yeah. Well, Minnesota, the state of Minnesota took care of George Floyd's family. Yeah, they sure did. Seventeen yeah. million, really yeah. well. But anyway, but yeah, never like, even just, met the guy. You would think that you know, oh, you're doing all of this to just get money, essentially, well, of and course. with the guise of bringing everybody together. And so it's like, if that organization mm. does it, any organization will do it. I don't feel bad about. And for anyone who gave money to that organization, because it was such an obvious scam from the yeah. beginning. Yeah, what I mean, 100%. even like Susan G. Komen, like. Yeah, they waste tons mm-hmm. of money. They waste apparently. tons of oh, money. Oh, do they really? And the people oh, that are in that. charge of it are like billionaires. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? Yes. Yeah. Susan G. Komen. I yes. thought it was a nice deal. I mean, they do a lot of good. Yep. For sure. But they <coughs> but also, they make also a lot of money. take a lot of money. <laughs> well, there you have it. <clears throat> yeah. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I just, I, I really would like to start laughing again and enjoying things and having. I mean, be honestly, the change, Tom. That's, that's, that's up to change. you. That's up to no, you. Is, I'm talking about things like when's the last time you had no, a comedy show? Jesus. Last time I went to, it's been a little while now. Nah. Like, I, I usually try to go to like open mics and things like that because there is really, there is nothing better than going to a comedy show. And I if agree. you can go to pretty much any open mic in the Twin Cities area, like Minnesota has a top like five comedy scene in the nation. Right. And you can go to pretty much any open mic and you're going to have a good time because there's so many funny people that you've never heard of that'll make you laugh till you cry. Oh, well, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. When we were talking to um, Fritz, right? Mm-hmm. Fritz Coleman. Fritz Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yep. First I thought, it's, I know it's a mosquito bite that I keep on. She's bleeding over here. I know. Anyway, <laughs> um, where was I? I don't know. Oh, yeah. When he started talking about these old guys that they come to life when they come back on stage. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to Louis Anderson about that because <clears throat> we had we had seen um, Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. Oh, the three he of us. W- well, I mean, Andy we didn't all went, go. I, I know, I know, I know. But we didn't know about that right. back yes. then. Yes. And that yes. was one that was the first my brothers had his albums. And when I was allowed to use the stereo, <laughs> I listened. I listened. I was like, what is this guy? I thought Very he was a funny. singer or something. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. usually they just had um, artists, singing artists. And so I played it. And I was listening to this comedian on an album. And I'm like, well, I didn't know people did this. So that was my first exposure, basically, to, to comedy? comedy. Really? Yeah, really. Because um, I was maybe... What, I think my mom finally, I pestered her and pestered her. I think I was seven when I could finally put a record on. <laughs> I didn't want to wreck that giant thing in the corner. The, oh, yeah. You know, it was one of those cabinets with the record player oh, in the, the middle. Top, yep. well, was yeah. it a month's TV? If you don't put the needle no, on right, it was right, just, it was just yeah. a record player with great big speakers on the oh, side really? and storage space for albums. That's sure. all it was. And it was like a, pri- a prized possession. So anyway, I remember... Um, telling Louie, you know, we went and saw Bill Cosby, and he looked, we did the meet and greet, and he looked like he was half dead. Yeah. Well, he and then he, dead eye, yeah. He was like a thousand And, and I mean, old. he just was like, and, and then on. when he got on stage, it was like, flip the switch, and he could just do it. And, yeah. and Louie said, that's how us comedians that have been doing it forever are. 
First of all, we love being on the stage more mm -hmm. than anything else. We wish we could be on the stage 24 hours a day. And I can, he said, and I can be sick. I can feel terrible. And you put me on a stage, and all of a sudden, I don't have, I don't have the flu anymore. I can just, he's like, we're, it's like we're trained monkeys. That's yeah. what he said. A hundred percent. And that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's like, how they all are. Like, I remember <clears throat> being at the House of Comedy, and there was a comedian. It was right around when Trump was being elected president, and I'm looking for our headliner, and he's, like, can't find him, can't find him. I go in the back hallway. Oh, God. And he's on the phone. It was around Thanksgiving time, and he's just cussing somebody out. And he's, like, letting them have it. And he's like, I'm never speaking to you again. And then, like, Whoa. essentially is like, well, Tevin, my grandma just ruined Thanksgiving by voting for Donald Trump or something. Oh, like that, right? And like, so I had some huge political argument. I was like, I'm sorry to hear that, but like, you have 10 seconds to go get up on stage. Yep. And he was like, you could see just the hatred in his face, like very upset. And then he gets on stage and happiest guy, like yeah. flips yeah, switches. It's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, they can turn it on and off like nothing. Sure well, I imagine can. it's got to be like autopilot after a certain point. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine. You just kind of go into yeah. a routine. You shut your brain off and you just go through the routine. Yeah, you almost have to you put don't on even a personality. Remember doing it. And yeah. I think you have, because I mean, as a dancer, I remember I had some minor injuries, nothing crazy. And I'd have a competition and I'd be like, well, I can see if I can go on stage and I'd be in pain. And then all of a sudden, five minutes before I need to go on stage, I was like, I feel fine. Yeah, because I think the adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline rush, yeah. adrenaline makes it all. Yeah. And you know, you see people get hurt in football games, soccer games, all the stuff, and it's like they're clearly injured, but they're like, I could play on it because they just, yeah, yeah. And then you find out that they had broken their spine, <clears throat> exactly. But they <laughs> and but kept the, playing. But because of the adrenaline, you just don't mm -hmm. feel it, right? You made me miss Louie. Way to go. Mom. Uh, Mom. That now was my intention. Now we can't smile you. and have fun anymore. <laughs> a, a clip of Louis doing stand-up came across my social media feed the other day. Oh, did it? Yeah, it, it, was, was, his, it was his birthday. I know. He was, was it? Not that long ago. Yeah. No, so he, was it good? Oh, yeah. He's, he was amazing. I, I stole his scooter once. You I stole his scooter? He, so he has uh, Josh Florhawk. I can't even picture is, him on a scooter. Uh, is his like that, nephew? No, believe, like or, one of those little... Like the ride ones, like yeah. in the mall? Oh, you mean like, like a little for, rascal. Oh, yeah. the little rascal. Oh, okay. Oh. Not like to... a Razor scooter. <laughs> oh, my God. Louis. Louis. Yeah, was... on a Vespa. <laughs> yeah. I, I kicked <laughs> him off his lime scooter. <laughs> he could whip out some tricks on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be shocked. No, he came to watch like his nephew or something perform at the comedy club, Josh. And... Uh, yep. And he left his scooter, like that he rides around the mall in, like outside the club. And I didn't see him come in on the scooter. And so I like, <laughs> I'm like, somebody just left this scooter out here. So I'm like driving it around the Best Buy Rotunda. And then like the show was getting done at that time. And yeah, he's standing there like, where the hell is? Where's my scooter? Here you go, Louie. I went and oiled it up. Yeah. yeah. Gas it up for you. Valeted your scooter for you. Yeah. You're welcome. What year was that at Treasure Island in Las Vegas when Louie showed up? Remember that? Oh, God. I, I, I don't, don't remember that the year. That had to be back in the 90s. No, uh, I remember it. Oh, so you do remember it? Yeah. So that must have been around 2000 then. Yeah. Are you, you talking were... about the shirt? No, I'm not talking no. about the shirt. Oh. I'm talking about when he... he we were doing an appearance at Treasure Island. The KQ Morning Show was doing an appearance at Treasure Island mm. out in uh, Vegas. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, there was all this noise over in the corner, and we had a full house and all the rest of it. And I look over, and here comes Louie Anderson. Never met him before. I had never talked to him, never met him, nothing. 
Here comes Louie Anderson and three guys behind him who are carrying 30 boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> 30 boxes. You remember that, don't you? Yes. Yeah, 10 each, exactly. Um, but you remember when he did that, don't mm-hmm. you? God, that was it. Louie was such a great guy to know and to hang out with, and Jesus. I know. Um, one time we were just at dinner, and Louie was cracking jokes and being Louie. And then Me and Louie. Like, afterwards, we all were laughing, and he went, Oh, Louie, do you ever turn it off? And Dan thought that was just the funniest thing ever. So anytime Dan makes me laugh really hard, he, it's still to this day, and that was probably five, six years ago. So anytime Dan makes me laugh really hard, he'll go, Oh, Louie, do you ever turn it off? Do you ever turn it off? <laughs> Andy, you knew that Louie adored you, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, you yeah. did know he that. was very good at telling oh, you yes. he adored you. Yeah, that's you. true. Yeah. He told yeah, me he all was. the time. Louis wasn't exactly an emotionally closed guy. <laughs> no. no, he was, he was on my Instagram true. constantly telling me how precious I was to him and how oh, sweet he... my children were and how great a mother I was. I was like, thanks. He loved yeah. all three of you. He did, and the kids too, and the little babies that came along. But yeah, that I mean, you knew. It's tough to describe that whole situation because you knew he wasn't going to live to be very old. No, no. he didn't no, have the healthiest I'm lifestyle. He made it as long as he did. To yeah, tell you the truth. What was he like? Sixty? Was he? Was closing he on seventy? Sixty something? I can't remember how old he was. How long has he been dead now? About five years, something like that. No. Only one. God, no. Yeah, like a year. He was sixty-eight. Yeah, he was yeah, coming up on seventy. I Honestly, that's not horrible. And how long ago did he die? A uh, year. A year. Yeah. Just one year? Yeah. Feels like a lot, know, it it feels like a lot longer. It yeah. seems a lot really longer does. than that. A year and a half, technically. But, you but know. I mean, it's, it literally seems like it was five years ago. I know. But I suppose, you know, what I'm thinking actually is I bet you I hadn't seen him for about at least no. a year. Yeah, it had been a long time. Yeah, because he wasn't yeah. really doing much. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's that's why it seems like it was a lot longer than like four or five years because we didn't see him for a couple of years there. When he well, and when sick. he was doing baskets too, he didn't really... Oh yeah! Once he did baskets, that was like he his said, thing. I, he said, "When I when I go on set, when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm shooting, I don't talk to anybody." When he also he was diagnosed with the cancer in 2012, so he probably oh right 2012 yeah wow. God 11 11 he years had it ago. for 10 years yeah, so he probably stopped doing a lot of things around then too. Yeah, you don't want that stuff <clears throat> to go out because then you know, he ha- he wanted to work. He always yeah. wanted he did. to work. Yeah. His stories about traveling with Scott Hansen, and they're both gone now. And they died very close together, as a matter of fact. That's right. I would guess within one year of one another, maybe even less than that. But I just loved it when he'd come on the, the show with Scott Hansen. He'd go, Tommy, I got to tell you a story about Scott. And of course, they went and bought a bunch of Krispy Kreme donuts, and they left them in the back seat of the car. And Louis said he came out of the shower, he looked out the window. And Scott Hansen was in the back seat eating the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Hansen died the previous year. Yeah, about and he one was year. 66. And he was 66. Another great guy, by the way. Scott Hansen was a, a terrific guy. Another large fella. But Jesus, you know, Gilbert Gottfried, Andy. Mm-hmm. Another, he, he adored you, I remember that. But so many people, comedians, uh, died in that era. It was unbelievable. Bob Saget, what, he slip and fall and hit his head? That's yeah. what they say, yeah. <clears throat> You think that's not true? It's hard to. Say. I mean, I'm sure the cause of death was a head injury. It's just yeah. what caused it was right. questionable. Boy, they were just so great. Those guys would come into studio and we'd hang out. Oh, that was so much fun back in the day. Yeah, it was. 
No question. Did, did Louis play? Did he play uh, Rick Bronson? Not while I was there. No, no, it was, no, it was, he was he, Yeah, he was a big Acme guy. And yeah. there was, at yeah. one point, it was like Bloods versus Crips for <laughs> yeah. Comedy yeah. Yeah. For when I first yeah. started. I suppose, yeah. Like, comedians would be like, oh, like, I'm performing it. And they'd like whisper it, like, I'm performing yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Like, I want you to go do 20 shows before you come back here again. Like, be better right. than you were mm-hmm. when you came back. And then that's why people love going on your show when you would have comedians, whether it was on KQ or the podcast, because they mm-hmm. were like, ticket sales would boom. And they're like, yeah, we get to make our name for ourselves and help grow our career. Right. I remember, we try to do that again. Maybe. I remember for a while there, there was this guy, I forget which club he was at. But he was always trying to start shit on Twitter with Acme and the House of Comedy. <laughs> and he would be like, oh, uh, I noticed uh, you have two white headliners this week. Oh, uh, God. Couldn't get a person of color, huh? And it was like the most pathetic attempt at starting a rivalry I've ever seen in my life. So where did he work? I think it might have been New Hope. Oh, but Jerry, 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 Jerry did it. It wasn't Jerry. It definitely wasn't Jerry. It was one of the guys who used to bring comedians in every so often. I wonder who the hell that was. Yeah, it, this was like probably oh, six, seven I think years I know. ago. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, no, do you know the I don't, name? I wouldn't remember the name even if you told me it. Damn it. I just don't. It's through the Obviously, Let's get this rivalry back going. Yeah, yeah. We don't need anybody uh, keyboard warrior ring. Warrior ring ring. Warrior ring Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, I don't know. It's not like a rivalry is necessary because no. they do just fine anyway. I mean, they're always right, pretty much right. packed when you get a good comedian in. Yeah, and the like the two clubs are very different. Obviously, you have the House of Comedy, yeah, which gets a yes. lot of like tourists, like people yeah. just that yep. scroll by, right. like there's just something yep. to do. It's in the mall, yeah. Yep, and then yeah, and then when you're in at Acme, it's more of I feel like it's got that small town classic comedy club yeah. type feel. Well, Acme, well, you have to seek out because it's not like really buy anything right. so yeah. much. You have to go there. Whereas the House of Comedy, people just they'd wander up and be like, "Hey, who's a?" Uh, Oh my God! Yeah, is this a comedy club? Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> House of Comedy. Yeah. 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 Well, but it also I said our burger, so it was confusing. I'm yeah, sure. that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Rick Bronson loved to put his name on everything. Mm-hmm. Like it, our burger, the sauce was like our sauce. Like, yeah, you know, everything. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, okay. Our burger was it. really good. It was. <laughs> okay. We only have thirty seconds Bravo. left. I'll close very quick. You remember the uh, what was the name of the bar right across from? Uh, uh, there's Cantina. It was the, there's a Hooters. There yeah, was, it was a, a big bar. Sky, the one with the video games and stuff. Sky Deck. Know. Oh yes. No, what was it? An original sports bar. Pancakes. Oh, it was. It was before. It, like it's long gone now. What, yeah. what was it yeah. called? Uh, but I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. kind of like the original sports bar. Yeah. And my favorite. I'll close with this story because I loved it. This guy goes into the original sports bar and he goes sits down. And the bartender comes over and he goes, can I help you? And he goes, okay, I just want to make some uh, clear up front. I'm Tom Bernard. I host the morning show over KQRS, and I never pay for my drinks. So um, I just want you to know that I'm going to have a couple drinks, but I'm not paying for them because I never have to pay for them. So why should I pay here? I'll leave you a nice tip, but I'm not paying for my drinks. And the bartender goes, oh, okay. Goes, gets him a beer. Guy drinks a beer. So you want another beer? And the guy goes, yeah, sure, I'll have another one. Bartender goes, gets him another beer, puts a glass in. He goes, you know, I'm, the bartender says, I'm really confused. The guy goes, why? He goes, because Tom Bernard's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> it was my brother, Troy. <laughs> so, 
I wonder if that works for him when he goes out. I'm gonna start using that. I, I'm Tom Bernard. Yeah. I don't yeah. pay. <laughs> I don't ever pay anything. for anything. All right, that's gonna. That, I loved today's show. I see. I thought Fritz Coleman was a great guest. He was? Yeah. No, first he was great every time he's come on. Yeah, he's really, really good. No question. Everything else good in everybody else's life. Alex is bored. She's yawning. Stop. No question. You're going to start me up. <laughs> You're going to start me up. <laughs> Thumbs up. Andy, you got Two anything else? I do not. All right, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow.